Father God, I thank Lord, even as this evening I bring forth your message, and even as we ask ourselves, how deep is our love for you? We thank you, Lord, that even as we consider Deuteronomy 6, and even as we look at the Shema, I pray, Lord, that truly your words, Lord, will go forth, Lord, and accomplish the very purpose that you have sent out, that you will not return to you void, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you will touch even the hardest heart who is listening online or on site here. So I speak a blessing over my brothers and sisters that even as they listen and hear and shima the word of God, I pray, O Lord, that you will transform their life, you will touch them, that their love for you will grow from strength to strength. So be with me, Lord, even as I submit myself to you. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place and anoint my lips, O Lord, even as I bring forth your word. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people say, Amen, Amen. So I'm excited to look into Deuteronomy 6 uh, because Pastor Chu advertised it a few weeks ago uh, and, and when he advertised, I was like saying to myself, oh no, the pressure is mounting, yeah? So anyway, uh, I'm excited and I've entitled uh, this sermon, uh, How Deep Is Your Love? And it is not the Bee Gees song, How Deep Is Your Love? It's not that song. Eh? Okay, so although it is this title, what I want to do is, this is a question that I have to ask myself. That even as I preach this message, uh, it is with fear and trepidation that I come before the Lord. And I want to, first and foremost, preach this message to myself because all of us need to ask this question how deep is our love for the lord yeah so um, so we have done uh, deuteronomy 1 to 5 uh, over the previous weeks and moses was presenting and teaching a new generation concerning the law because the previous generation has all uh, passed away in the desert, and this is a new generation, and this is the second reading of the law. Uh, and Deuteronomy 6 is the foundational truth on how you can keep the commandments, the laws, and the decrees, not because you have been instructed to do so, but because you love the Lord your God. And that is the heart of the law, and that is love. Yeah, so we will soon discover this even as we study uh, Deuteronomy 6. So let's uh, read Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 3 on the screen. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you your children and your children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So why do we want to keep the law? And in, in the verses that we have read, you notice the very verse has many, so that, so that, so that. So the next slide will show you why do we keep the law? so that you may enjoy long life, i.e. you live to your full lifespan. And number two, so that it may go well with you, that you will have shalom and that you may increase greatly and live in abundance flowing with milk and honey. So Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have life 
uh, in abundance. So it is interesting that Moses, in the middle of his first speech and message uh, to the second generation of the Israelites, uh, which spans between Deuteronomy 1 to 11. So Deuteronomy 1 to 11 was Moses' first speech, and right in the middle of his first speech, in Deuteronomy 6, he would pause and deliver the Shema Israel. Whereas in the New Testament, we read that Jesus, when he was preaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and he was like saying, blessed, blessed, and blessed, and you will be thinking that Jesus is just talking about blessing and blessing and more blessing, but right smack in the middle of the Beatitudes, Jesus upheld the law and said, I did not come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill it. So when you look at this diagram, the parallel between Moses' first speech and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, you will see that Moses, at the middle of even declaring the law and the decrees, he switched gear and said, Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God. And in the New Testament, Jesus reminded them that the law is still relevant in the New Testament. So if you hear preachers tell you the law uh, is no longer required, you know, you don't have to memorize the Ten Commandments, it is no longer applicable, they are preaching heresy, okay? So even Jesus said that he did not come to abolish the law. So the Ten Commandments which Moses read to the children of Israel consists mostly of thou shall not, you shall not, and here he paused and called out to the Israelites, Shema Israel, hear O Israel. It is not just a set of don't do this and don't do that, but this is what you must do and it must be from a response of love. Amen? So, as we progress in our study of Deuteronomy 6 and ask ourselves, how deep is our love for the Lord? We will be looking at four take-home points using the acronym L-O-R-D that you see on the screen. So, the first one, L, love the Lord your God personally or observe God's truth every time, everywhere, R, Remember God's grace and providence. And the fourth one, D, do what is right and good for your children. So if you like to have the sermon notes, you can click on the tiny.cc uh, that you see on the screen uh, when, when this message is being loaded in YouTube. Okay, let's uh, move on to the first uh, point, which is love the Lord personally. And are you ready to say this with me, read this together with me. This is Shema Israel. Uh, so we will read the English first and then we will attempt to read the Hebrew, okay? So read it together with me aloud, okay? One, two, three. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I think we can do better than that, okay? So please follow me, those online as well. Ready? One, two, three. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And now we will try the Hebrew, okay? One, two, three. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength. Amen. So what does Shema mean? Okay, Shema means to hear and not just to hear like you hear a song, but it is to listen with wholehearted devotion to obey. So the Lord our God, Adonai Eloheinu, the Lord is one, Adonai Ekad. So here, the Hebrew word for one 
that's being used here is Eckhart, and uh, the writer did not use the word Yashit, which means singular or a single person, but instead he used the word Eckhart. And Eckhart means united entity, it is a numerical oneness, and it is the key to understanding the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, the Jews will argue with you that God is only one. So how can you talk about the Trinity, that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? But here in this text, the word used is not yashit, which is singular, but the word used is ekat, which stands for a united entity. So even in the next slide, you will see that even during creation, in Genesis 1 verse 26, the creation story, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So who was God talking to? So God was actually talking to Jesus as well as the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. And in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 6, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, to whom all things came and through whom we live. So why did Moses direct the Israelites to love Yahweh after giving the law? And how do we even love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength? Is that even possible for us mere mortals? Yeah, so I think the reason why Moses, uh, in his first speech, paused for a while and addressed the children of Israel, Shema Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the very reason he addressed them is because if he just say, these are the laws, obey them, it will be legalism. So law without love is legalism. Love without law is license. So if it's love, I love you, uh, God loves you, one, you know, love covers over a multitude of sins. While that is true, don't use that as a license to sin. So even when we preach from the pulpit, we have to be very careful that when we quote that verse, love covers over a multitude of sins, that is not a license for you to sin. Okay, so love without the law is license. And law with love is liberty. And that is the very reason why Moses, right in the middle of his first speech, addressed the children of Israel. In John 8, verse 31 to 32, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We have liberty when we approach the law out of love for God and don't see it as mere rules and regulations. Amen? So moving on, even Jesus in the New Testament in Matthew 22 verse 37 quoted this Shema Israel as the greatest commandment. In Matthew 22 verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In the Old Testament, you don't see the word mind brought up because Jesus in the New Testament Use mind because in the Old Testament, there is no word for mind. It is all heart. So in the New Testament, which is written in Greek, philosophy, knowledge, and accumulation of knowledge is rampant. But you can have hate knowledge, but you have no heart to love God. So let us break down this all-important verse. So here, love as defined in the Bible 
is primarily an action. So love is also a state of mind and a state of our spirit. And heart here in the Hebrew is levav or lev in Hebrew. For the Hebrews, the heart had the function of the mind or brain. We make a decision to love God. And soul in the Hebrew is nefesh, which means our very being, essence, life and breath, and strength with all our might means to use exceedingly great effort and conscious thought. So if you put this together, is to love the Lord your God with all your life, nefesh, and very, very. Okay, the root word is very, very. So it is not necessarily to define and distinguish these elements of heart, soul, and strength as though they are three different internal human functions. The phrase simply means all that is within you. Yeah, so in Psalm, uh, we, we read that praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise his holy name. So it is everything that is within us. Amen? So it is, is, is it possible even to command somebody to love you? Imagine if I command my girlfriend, who is now my wife, Su Ching, hey woman, you must love me, you know? Yeah? I think she will ask me, go take a hike, buddy. Yeah? So is it, is it even possible to command somebody to love you? So when you read this Shema Israel, do you feel inadequate and helpless? Do you feel that it disqualifies you and me? Let me tell you why and I feel this way. It is because we are approaching this Shema Israel from a performance-based perspective. And this is the plague of performance-driven Christianity. And we are left feeling empty. We feel that hey, we cannot fulfill this. Lah. How to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And we walk away ashamed, feeling that we are not good enough. So my dear brothers and sisters, if you are feeling that way, I have good news for you. So let's look at what really means to love. So the apostle of love, the apostle John, has this to say and he defines love in 1 John 4.10. And this is what he says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And in 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And in 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. So my brothers and sisters, it is possible to love God because we love because He first loved us. And even in the Old Testament, before the law was given in Genesis 15.6, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So it is possible to love the Lord your God. So in the next passage in 1 John 3, reading from verse uh, 19, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps God's, God's commands lives in Him 
and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gives us. So, thank God that we are in the New Testament era and we have been given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us and empowers us even to love our God. Amen? So truly, this passage gives us hope that even as we look at what is the definition of love and how do we even love God, we love because He first loves us. Amen? So the next slide, and let us read this together. Amen? Loving the Lord your God is the reasonable response to His love for you. So let me repeat this. If you forget everything that I've preached this evening, remember this. Loving the Lord your God is the reasonable response to His love for you. So when we shima or hear God's word, it must be received and responded by us. It's hearing and doing and love must always be accompanied by actions. Even God, when He said, for God so loved the world, what did He do? He gave. So love is always accompanied by action. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen? So it is always accompanied by action. So what are the take-home points for us, even under this uh, heading, love the Lord your God uh, personally? So the key principles that we can take home for ourselves is you are to love the Lord your God personally. No one can love God on your behalf. You are to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. 1 John 3, 22, your relationship with God is directly proportionate to God's revelation of His truths to you personally. Amen? So let's quickly move on to the second point, which is observe God's truth every time, everywhere. And let's read uh, from verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie, lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Amen. So these commandments that I give you are to be on your hearts. Now wait a minute. Isn't the law written on tablets of stone in the Old Testament? And here we read, these commandments I give you are to be on your hearts. So this is not a New Testament event that the law is written in our hearts, but it is truly both an Old Testament and a New Testament thing. So even in Deuteronomy 30 verse 6, we read, The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love Him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Amen? So God writes the word upon our hearts and we become living epistles that others may read, and our lives can influence them to trust Jesus. So over the past week, I've been attending uh, funerals, and, and just a few days ago, I attended a funeral of a dear friend who has gone home to, to be with the Lord, and there were many eulogies, very good eulogies, that people gave uh, concerning her life. So imagine if at your funeral, somebody attended your funeral and at the funeral, they say this, huh, Jeffrey is a Christian. I didn't know that. Lah. You know, what a shame that will be that they didn't even know that you were a Christian because your life was not 
an epistle uh, of the Word of God being written in your life. So what a shame that will be. So uh, even as we move on, in verse 7 it says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So Moses admonished parents to discuss God's word in the home among the children and to allow the word to guide their minds and hands as they work throughout the day. You know, I love it even when my children, especially now my daughter, you know, uh, even in, in the dining uh, table when we are having dinner, you know, she will ask me, hey dad, what's the meaning of this verse? And sometimes even my son WhatsApp me, you know, what's the meaning of this verse, how to interpret this passage? And even some men from the Men of Vela ministry and even my cell members, I love it when they WhatsApp me, a pastor, how to interpret this passage. And it is so good that when we talk about the Word of God, even around our dining table, and especially when our children ask us concerning the Word of God, and this is exactly what this verse in verse 7 says, impress them on your children. Amen? So Abraham Lincoln has this to say, for a man to train up a child in the way he should go, he must walk that way himself. So imagine if you talk, talk, talk only, but you don't walk that way yourself, how are you going to impart and pour into the life of your children? Yeah, so we must also walk our talk. So in verse 8, it says, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. So the next slide, you will see a picture uh, of this Jew, uh, and he has this, what we call uh, tefillin in Hebrew, or in Greek, it's called phylactery, which are leather boxes with uh, straps as frontlets on their head and around their left arm. So four portions of the Torah, which is Exodus 13, 1 to 10, 11 to 16, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, and 11, 13 to 21, are written on tiny scrolls, and they are placed in the boxes. So these are the Jew uh, who, who have this on their forehead and left arm. Then next, in verse 9, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So again, it is a Jewish practice of placing the mezuzah on the right doorpost of their house uh, for remembering the Torah. So small scrolls are also placed inside the mezuzah, and it is Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 to 9 and 11 verses 13 to 21. So the Jews really took these commandments literally and the war portions of Scripture in little containers called phylacteries on their foreheads uh, and left arm. They also attached this small container called mezuzah uh, in the front door and every door of their house. So what does this all mean to us? So the next slide. So under this heading, observe God's truth every time, everywhere, the key principle for us is impress to your children and teach them as the head of the household. So I want to address the fathers in the house. It is not the responsibility of the wife and don't always say this, go ask your mom. Yeah? It is your responsibility as the head of the house to be the first to, to teach your children. So the Lord God must firstly be the Lord your God before He's ever going to be the Lord their God. Let me repeat that. The Lord God must firstly be the Lord your God before He's ever going to be the Lord their God. So the Word of God should govern my actions, bind them on your hands, and govern my thoughts on your foreheads. So our going in and our going out shall be directed by the Word of God. 
Amen? So uh, Elizabeth Elliot has this to say, the Word of God I think of as a straight edge, which shows up our own crookedness. We can't really tell how crooked our thinking is until we live it up with the straight edge of Scripture. Amen. So we have considered the first point, love the Lord your God personally. The second point, observe God's truth every time, everywhere. And now we move to the third point, which is remember God's grace and providence. And let's read from verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only, and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and His anger will burn against you, and He will destroy you from the face of the land. Amen. So here, God is reminding, uh, rather Moses is reminding the nation of Israel with regards to his, their inheritance. And there is like a poetic rhythm uh, to this. So in the next slide, you will see that uh, this is Israel's inheritance, gracious providence in the promise, promised land. So the poetic rhythm goes something like this. Land with large Flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Water wells you did not dig. Vineyard and olive groves you did not plant. So in essence, God is reminding the nation of Israel, remember that the Lord is the one who provided you with a land flowing with milk and honey, you didn't even lift a finger to, to obtain all this. This is your inheritance. So doesn't this remind us even of our own salvation story? How God loved us and was gracious to us and there is no room for us to boast on our part because everything was done so that you and I will come and receive this salvation from God. Amen? And this is what we read in Ephesians 2, uh, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So even the nation of Israel, they cannot boast. Well, God really loves us, you know. We are so blessed. And even for us, let us not boast in our salvation, but even if we want to boast, let us boast about our Lord Jesus Christ because it is through Him that we have salvation. Amen? So everything that we have, our salvation, our blessings, our inheritance in Christ, all comes from God and nothing of our own doing. Yeah? So in... in Deuteronomy 6 verse 13, we read, Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only. And this is the very verse that Jesus quoted when He replied to Satan's uh, third temptation. Yeah, so when we cultivate a reverent and a submissive heart to Yahweh, our love for Him will grow deeper and we will have an obedient will and won't even look at other idols or gods. Next, Moses warned the people not to tempt or test the Lord as their forefathers did in Massa. So let's read from verse 16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you, 
as you did in Massa, be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees He has given you. So how do we tempt or test the Lord? We tempt and test the Lord when we openly and unbelievingly question His ability or defy His authority by what we say or do. So after He delivered Israel from Egypt, the Lord led them through difficulties so that He could teach them to trust Him. They murmured and complained about everything. Is the Lord among us or not? Was their question. Meaning, if God is among us, why doesn't He do something? We all go through this as well, don't we? Even in this COVID season, some of us, we may be going through a very difficult patch and we may be asking, if God is really among us, why doesn't He do something? Yeah, so we tempt or we test God when, you know, we, we ask this kind of question. So the Lord tests our faith not just in the great crisis of life, but even in the small, unexpected events. And sometimes when it rains, it really pours. If we love and trust the Lord, we'll leave the matter with Him and do what He tells us. But if we question and rebel because we are not getting our own way, then we are in danger of testing God. So what is the key principle for us here to remember God's grace and providence? Number one, remember the Lord and give thanks to Him for everything. Don't forget the Lord in your prosperity, in the midst of prosperity. So what we obtain from God is by His grace and providence as there is nothing that we can do to deserve it. We are not deserving, but God is gracious. So what the Lord requires of us in return is obedience, and even that is for our own good. Amen? So remember, on our own, we are not perfect in God's sight. But we have been justified by Christ and made righteous in God's sight. It is all because of God's grace and providence. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So the last point is do what is right and good for your children. So reading from verse 18, do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, trusting out all your enemies before you as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Verse 22, before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as He has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Amen. So in this last portion of Deuteronomy 6, Moses reminded the Israelites to do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, that it may go well with them as they enter into the promised land. Of course, the greatest blessing for which Israel should be thankful for 
was their deliverance from Egypt. Had Israel remained in Egypt, there would have been no nation, no priesthood, no sanctuary, and no hope. But the Lord delivered them and brought them into their promised land and fulfilled His promises. So my dear brothers and sisters, today we have the Bible and we know Jesus as our Saviour. And even as Moses led God's people out of Egypt, an event that is celebrated annually at the Passover, the Jewish fathers were commanded to teach their children the meaning of the deliverance out of Egypt and the laws that God had given Israel so that the next generation would understand how to trust Yahweh, love Him, and obey His laws. Amen? So it is also incumbent upon us that we teach our children because if our children are ignorant of our salvation story, if our children are ignorant of our past, on how God has saved us, they will have no hope for the future because they will, they will not know the salvation story. So we too have been brought out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son He loves. As we read in Colossians 1, reading from verse 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have the great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen? So we too have a salvation story to tell. And the key principle for us uh, even as we do what is right and good for our children, continue to do what is right and good for the future generation by reminding them how the Lord has saved us and showed us the better way of life. Have an attitude of gratitude as a safeguard against unbelief, disobedience, a hardened heart, and a bitter spirit. And lastly, if we love the Lord, we will obey Him and we will always prosper and be kept alive to live life more abundantly. Amen? So even as we bring this to a close, uh, yeah, the worship team is here already. I just want to share a very short testimony that even as we have this attitude uh, of gratitude and making the Lord number one in your life, I remember many years ago, our senior pastor, Pastor Chu, always tell us this, make Jesus number one, number two, and number three in your life. Because if you just make Jesus the number one in your life, very soon, the second love of your life will replace Jesus as number one. So love him and let him have the first place, second place, and third place in your life. And even for me, I dare not even say that I have loved the Lord, our God, with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength, and with all my mind. But what I have done is I have truly, to a great extent, practice what Pastor Chu has recommended and make Jesus the number one priority in my life. So even when I was dating my wife, 
when she was my girlfriend bef- before becoming my wife, I told my wife, you have to share me with 100 over Sunday school students because as far as I'm concerned, God and what I do for these Sunday school students will always be number one priority in my life. You do not have the number one place in my life. It is Jesus. And thankfully, she did not ask me to take a hike. Yeah, so she's my wife. Yeah, so even when I started working in the bank, you know, for us baby boomers, we, I'm not saying that we don't have a good father. Our fathers, our earthly fathers, they tried their best to be fathers in that generation. But even just a couple of days back, I was having a conversation with my wife and I was telling her, even as I reflect back on my life, truly Father God has re-fathered me. And, and I really thank God that I live a blessed life. And God is really no man's debtor. And even in the early days, you know, after I did my A-levels, I wanted to do law and to become a lawyer. But my earthly father can only afford uh, to sponsor my elder brother. He was doing accountancy back then. And I have to go out to work because he cannot afford to sponsor uh, two children uh, to further their studies. So I work in a bank and at night, I would attend night classes yeah, and every night after classes, I have to take a bus back. And I dreaded those moments when I took the bus in Puduraya because the extortionists will come and extort money from me. So it was really my heart's desire when I started working. I want to get a driving license. I want to start driving already. So my first posting when I worked in the bank was in the audit department. And my boss, who was a non-Christian, one day called me into his room. So he was wearing a Buddha amulet around his neck and he showed me the amulet. He said, Jeffrey, you know this amulet is very powerful. I went to Thailand and I showed it to the monk. When the monk hold the amulet, they were thrown back as well. Then he challenged me, if your God is so powerful, ask your God, to appear before me, then I will believe your Jesus. So I told him, his name is Spencer. Spencer, if God really appear here before us, we'll all be dead, man. Yeah, so I gave him the Gospel of John and I asked him to read. I said, when you come to the portion, when Jesus say, I and my Father are one, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So he went back, he read the Gospel of John and praised the Lord. He received Christ and, and somehow he, he, he knew that I was wanting to buy a car and I don't know how he knew about my story. So one day he came up to me, uh, Jeffrey, here's a check for 4000 Go and buy your car. I told him, hey, Spencer, salvation is free. You don't have to bless me with anything. Then he told me, I'm so grateful that you share the gospel with me. I just want to bless you. So even in my journey in life, even in my uh, career in the bank, you can ask my wife and she can testify, I hardly need to work overtime. Because every time when my boss asks me to work overtime, it happens to be choir practice, it happens to be prayer meeting time, it happens to be other meetings in the church, and I have to tell my boss, sorry, I cannot stay back for overtime because I need to attend church. But thank God, even with that statement that I tell my boss, God is truly no man's debtor. And step by step, I see myself climbing up the corporate ladder and my last posting was as an executive vice president in the bank. So even uh, my wife can also testify 
that it mirrors even my journey in SIBKL. When I was cell leader, I was assistant manager in the bank. When I was a zone leader, I was a manager in the bank. When I was SDL, I was vice president in the bank. Then after that, I became EVP and now I'm a pastor. So it seems, I mean truly when you put God the number one priority in your life, you will not be shortchanged. Amen? So let's review the four points that even as we ask ourselves this question, how deep is your love? Let us love the Lord your God personally, observe God's truth every time, everywhere, remember God's grace and providence, and do what is right and good for your children. Yes, Lord. Take us deeper in love with you, Lord. May we truly, O Lord, grow deeper and deeper in love with you. And I pray, O Lord, that even in the days ahead, whatever circumstances that we may be in, O Lord, I pray, O Lord, that we will continue to love the Lord our God personally, that we will observe God's truth every time and everywhere that we will never ever forget but remember God's grace and providence and may we do what is right and good for our children. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face towards you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance towards each one of us and grant us His shalom peace. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen.